Well, I've been considering a new uh, plank, a new tenant to the default lifestyle lifestyle. And I don't have this quite articulated, but maybe we can work it out a little bit here. I think part of the default's lifestyle, now you could call this go with the flow, but I think part of it is you don't want to try to like outsmart the system. You just want to like figure out what's going on with the system and you just go with it. And like I said, I don't have this fleshed out, but my the first thing that popped into mind, and this is not reflective of, of any of my strategies because I do this, I guess, is like you should just put your money in index funds, right? Like you don't want to like you don't want to think that like I'm going to pick stuff. I'm going to spend time on it. I, I could have all the upside, but then I might also have all the risk and stress of it. Just index funds. Right. And like, or you could be like, I, I don't know. I'm not going to try to like optimize, uh, you know, the right amount of solar panels versus this, that or the other. Just just like I'm just going to do whatever, do whatever is normal. I'm going to look around and see what other people are doing uh, or what my uh, regional local government is telling me I should be doing. And, uh, you know, barring being an asshole or a bad person or evil, I'm just going to do that. I'm not going to try to like, you know, I'm not going to build like a bunch of generators in my basement, things like that. Just I'm just going to go with the flow. Just go with it. So uh, that's 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 what I got so far. I think I think that and that Apple has introduced a seventy nine dollar or pound sterling uh, pencil to go with the iPad. I think it's representative of that. Right. Like eventually it'll sort itself out. You don't want to pay for the more expensive pencil. They'll have a cheaper one. Wait, that's the cheap pencil. Yes, exactly. If you think <laughs> if, if you think that's expensive, wait till I tell you how much the other ones cost. Wow! But yeah, but that like you just invest in the Apple thing, and uh, you know, tide goes in, tide goes out. Like eventually, you're going to be able to uh, get that pencil, no matter what your situation is, because the price is going to go down. Well, more importantly, are you getting the new? You're our resident note taker, Gote. Yes. Will you be getting the new Apple pencil? Well, I already have two of the expensive pencils. So, you know, I've, I've got, I've got the, uh, the Cadillac Escalades. I'm not going to buy the Tahoes, you know. So you will um, not get it. Yes. However, and, and there, there is, I've noticed there, there's a, there's a major difference that the pressure doesn't work on it. So, you know, when you press on the Apple, the expensive Apple pencil, it, uh, you know, varies the way it operates. And I, and what I've read is that the new Apple pencil doesn't have that, the USB-C one, um, but I think that's probably one of those things that if you had never had it, you would never know that it existed. So you wouldn't right. care that it didn't exist. And in fact, oftentimes when I'm using the pencil, I wish that it was just constant uh, instead of like varying based on pressure. So, so, so a downgrade would be an upgrade for you. Maybe. And also you can charge it with USB-C, which I think is our new, uh, as as we heard from the 30-minute uh, uh, section of the last Apple keynote from the VP of cables. I mean, that's kind of like the new the new way of thinking in Apple land. Uh, USB-C is, is. How long do you system. think it will take? It, so my wife just got, uh, we got her a new phone. So she's on the USB-C phone. And I was like, well, mm. this is part of the great migration, right? And of course she's immediately like, why are the cables different? I'm like, where do I begin? But anyway, so it's like, how <laughs> why is anything different? Well, you're, you're, like, you're like, you're like, first, Germany invaded France I mean, it's just, it's just, in 1915. Like, That's what started this whole thing. But um, I don't remember how. What is it called? The old pin connector, the 32 bit lightning cable. Oh no, no, no the, 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 and it was the, like that one. The uh, the the pins, USB whatever one. it was. It was like 
I was like, how long did it take before you finally got rid of like nothing in your house had that? I got rid of everything yeah. that was uh, using it. Oh yeah. And I was big, thinking to myself, yeah. like, all right, well, how long is it gonna take? Because I was looking around, I got the uh, AirPods use USB C, I got a keyboard, I got a mouse, I got this uh, trackpad. So when you start counting it off, I'm like, man, this could be like is this Oh, you mean you mean the lightning project? cables? Yeah, these are all lightning cables. So it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, how long will it be before I replace everything that I currently has a lightning thing will be converted over like i don't know is that a mm. you're the vp of cables here coach is that a yeah, okay is that a your migration project is that a are they here and invest in adapters oh i here okay i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna add another uh, another plank to the default lifestyle and i think i think maybe i think maybe the uh, i'm not gonna say I, I think maybe the vp of cables might be heavily involved in the default lifestyle because he enjoys <laughs> you know the churn of stuff and i think i think maybe part of the default lifestyle is every year you look around your house, and if there's a cable that's not plugged into something, you throw it away, or you take it mm-hmm. to you know someone else's house, and you just you're just getting rid of the cables, right? Yeah. Because right. I I feel like now you know I I don't want to um, uh, belittle spending money, but I feel <laughs> like Brandon, your problem might be solved if you just like spend a bunch of money. Yeah. Right. Like no, that's always that is always that's always Apple solution. You can and, uh, just upgrade everything, right? And throw and, and, out and that that would be stuff. going with the flow. What you want to do is you want to you want to very carefully watch the videos of regular people doing things during Apple keynotes, and that's your new lifestyle. <laughs> that, that's what you're doing. So so you you kind of like you're you're running on beaches. You're taking cute <laughs> pictures of friends. You're dressing like Gen Xers who are in their 30s, which I guess is not. You've really got a your Gen you've got your cheese grater Mac Pro. You've got your Apple Hi-Fi stereo. Yeah, you've you're always your, you're always smiling. <laughs> a lot of drone shots, a lot of fading yeah. in and out of buildings with the drone shots. So. And and you're using USB C cables. That's what's <laughs> happening. So uh, I, I think that's I've never solution. heard of lightning cables. That's that's my takeaway from from the from the videos. I don't exactly. know what you're talking about. Those don't exist. I would love to walk around with Tim Cook one day just to like see and just like wa- like see what technology he uses. Not like the, not what they set him up with. Not with his office for show. But like, all right, <laughs> what in his house? For example, like, does he have any old Apple? Like, does he have an Apple TV that's like old? Or is he like is oh, lit- is everything immediately upgraded? Right. It's just like. He never is more than the. You think he beta test stuff for them, or, or do, you, do you think he gets nightly builds, or do you think he's more oh, like you know? I, I like I like this I like this Tim mm. Cook fanfic we're going into because I think <laughs> I think I think it, it could go it could go a couple of ways. I think he could be the kind of person who does not install the iOS beta because he's like I use this stuff. Right. And like, right. I, so like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to install a beta just cause it's fun. Like I got to like determine where shipping happens or whatever shit goes yeah. on there. I got and, a calendar to sync. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or he could also be the kind of person who's like, you know what kind of technology I use? My five assistants. Like yeah. they're, that's, they're, that's where I'm going. It's like his, his five assistants are keeping all of his devices running nightly and debugging everything that goes wrong every single day. And well, he just I magically walks into rooms and he's like, all of our products are golden. But right, now no, my, this- my the third scenario you brought up, Matt Ray, which I like the best, which is just like pure nostalgia. You walk in there and he's like, Oh yeah, I'm I'm still working on an iMac. I mean, they don't, you know, they didn't make a better one. Or I should say we didn't make a better one. This is a great machine. It does everything his, you need. I, I like his- that click of the mouse. The whole mouse frame moves down when you need to click. Love that. 
But to uh, your point, like his persona of like the executive persona I have of him is that like he's very busy. He's extremely focused in on the numbers and wants to make sure everything is running well operationally. And I just so that kind of person to me is like if it is working, you know, if he didn't work at Apple, I'd be like he has a Dell laptop, right? Mm-hmm. He yep, has Microsoft totally. Excel. He has oh. Microsoft Outlook Calendar. Yeah. And that stuff does not change. He has you know, an exact dashboard Excel spreadsheet that he uses. And he is day to day. He's going to meeting to meeting to meeting, going over the numbers, making sure things are good, dealing with problems. And he does not want to spend one second uh, messing around with, you know, consumer or technology or uh, that's going to take away from him getting the, the, the to-do list done. Now, obviously he's at Apple and stuff like that. So it just, but that's just my, my, uh, the persona Man. I've created of him. So, so he seems like somebody that would be like, no, no, it's working. It's fine. I don't have time for this today. I don't want it, someone updating my iPhone to the, to the new iPhone 15. My iPhone uh, X is fine. Uh, let's get on with it. Can we bring up the numbers from Singapore? Let's look at that over. You know, that's my, uh, I envision he, he's like, I guess, I guess what you're saying is if if you could still use WordPerfect, he would be using that. I do. I you know, Apple has a whole product line of Office clones, right? <laughs> I, I love the fact that nobody assumes he uses pages or numbers or maybe. Sheets. Okay, I put, oh, I, if we had to bet the odds that that he knew, if we gave him a task, an Excel task, right? We gave him a CSV. We said, "Here's the financial data. We need you to build." a spreadsheet and these kind of charts. If we gave it to him and said, your life depends on this. Your life depends on you completing this task quickly and accurately. What program, Matt, do you think you would get? <laughs> this, this is, hopefully this is going to be in the, uh, the second season of Squid Games. I, think I know, be, be I know. Excel, I mean, right? It would be I, awesome. Like, you know he would go to Excel. Like, you know for sure he would be like, I, yeah, well, I, gotta, I would use Excel. So I, yeah. I I think that would be the ultimate challence. That that is the ultimate default lifestyle. It worked twenty years ago. It works today. Not well, changing. Love, yeah, love it. Yeah, sounds like Amazon's embracing the default lifestyle. Yeah. Well, speaking of default lifestyle, as you were saying, uh, Matt Ray, like it, it does seem like I I don't know what they were using before, but Amazon is signing a a. Now there's two things that are astounding about uh, Amazon using uh, the. Uh, Office 365. Is that what they still call it? I, I yeah, don't really know. Yes. The the SaaS version of Office. And can I just say, pretty good, except for when you try to share documents with someone. I just feel like they got a lot going up there in Redmond and probably elsewhere. They really got to get a tiger team uh, on that sharing panel. When you just share something, so confusing. If you just go look at the Google thing, they got that one nailed over there. Just look at that. Take some screenshots, maybe burn them afterwards in case there's some sort of uh, legal action. But just like check out how they're doing it, aces. That's all you need to do. We never need to evolve how you share a document. Not this bizarre system that Office uses. I don't even know what's happening there. Anyhow, so it seems like Amazon's going to become a big Office 365 thing. It makes me wonder what they were using before for word processing. Well, the, the Reportedly, they were just using the uh, like the. Um... The uncloud versions yeah. of Office, right? Uh, okay, the, re- okay. the retail versions of Office. So, so not yeah. such a big deal. Not such. No, a big deal, it, it's but. not such a big deal. But they do have their own in-house competitors for for teams um, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. And, and now, now, what what I was more interested in is that it's it's said to be a billion dollar mega deal. Now, mega deal is a great word, 
but I actually <laughs> I didn't look enough into it to see if that was annual or a three or five year term or something like that. But I wanted to, to try to compute. I'm assuming annual, so maybe maybe this is not not uh, a correct computation. But uh, I looked up on the wonderful Statissa or whatever it's called site. They have. I think maybe this was a year or two ago. They have 1.46 million full and part-time employees. And so, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to exclude like people who, I mean, I assume everyone would want to use it, would need to use it. Right. Cause you're going to send documents around to people and stuff, but maybe not. And, all the and drivers, it, all the, all the packers. No. Yeah. I, well, I mean, you no. know, they probably have to take like compliance training and like fill out documents. Maybe not them. I don't know. So maybe, Knock off. I think that's hundred thousand. Yeah, uh, I think half their employees are like you know warehouse folks. Okay, okay. So we have to increase this even more. So let's say when you knock that off by half, which is uh, like I like to say, I have a philosophy degree, so I can't do math unless it's in Greek letters. Uh, but like, I think that would be Tau. seven hundred thousand people uh, if if I did that correctly, uh, and. So I'd calculated that with 1.4 million full and part-time employees, that would be $684 a person a year. You could divide that by three if it's a three-year term, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but now it's going to go up to uh, $1,200 a year. If we divided that by three, that would be 400 a year, I think. Am I getting that math right? I don't have... I don't have numbers in front of me. My guess, though, is I, you know, without knowing the deal, it seems like it, it will be more, for more than one year, right? And also, I think they probably did it in a way that probably like the rest of us, it, although it would be really interesting to know because, you know, uh, obviously Amazon's very good at, or AWS is very good at like charging you for every little thing. But I think, you know, you would probably try to do a deal where it was like, hey, we're not going to try to count every single employee, right? We're going to like, you know, just right, have just like, flat some, some general number. And this is going to let all the employees, in Amazon, even if they just need it for like a, you know, a short period of time or they just need outlook uh, on the web, it would be my guess. So, um, but it's, I don't know. It's a good question though, about like, cause also too, I guess the other thing would be for any other company, you would think, well, like a company this size, there'd be a lot of discounting that would go on. But like, I don't, I don't know, <laughs> like the Microsoft, the Amazon, I don't know if the, like, does Amazon ask for discounts? Is Microsoft uh, willing to give it? Is it just, two different groups. So they don't really care. Like I'm sure the Microsoft salesperson is happy to sell it to Amazon. And I'm sure the Amazon it people are like, yeah, let's just, like, everyone's been complaining. Let's just get this done. So like, do, do, there's do probably not any, a lot of animosity there. Do you think anyone from procurement went to like AWS and said, look, we need you guys to launch an office competitor, an office 365. <laughs> look at this. A billion dollars. Really? You know, I, tell I, me there's not like a dozen pizza teams. They, they could deploy to save some money. All right, so put aside the office for a second because I think the really interesting part here, and I think the part that we will all maybe eventually be able to see is, do they go from their internal uh, Chime web-based conferencing product to Teams? <laughs> because that's like uh, anyone that meets with Amazon, myself included, they use Chime, which honestly, I have no problem with Chime. It's just, the only thing about it is it's just use, I only use it with Amazon. So that's the, that's the one thing. It's like, oh, I got to like, turn this thing on when I meet with Amazon. It's, but other than that, like when we're using it, it seems totally fine. That said though, it will be interesting. Like, cause that's the part I think we're all going to be able to see. It's like, well, if you have a meeting with Amazon and then they start suddenly sending you the, the team's link, cause that would be kind of shocking. I would almost be like, wow. And then of course uh, someone said that they use Slack uh, within Amazon as well. So I was like, what, what, how does that all shake out? So that part mm. I, I'm, I'm fascinated to see 
uh, what their web conferencing uh, tool of choice. And then, of course, what happens to Chime? Does Chime end of life or is it just, uh, you know, does it just sort of like limp along for a long period of time? I want to know. Did they uh, did they make that on their own? Is that an in-house yeah. thing, Chime? Uh, that, yeah, I don't know if it was an acquisition, but like it's definitely their, it is their. Yeah, it's definitely it's theirs. theirs. Nobody else uses it. Yeah. So. Maybe they could uh, offload it to GoToMeeting or, or Citrix <laughs> or whoever. Don't they own like WebEx? No, Citrix? no. Cisco owns West. Well, Cisco owns WebEx. At some point, I, Citrix owned one I, of those Citrix things, right? something like that. Yeah, yeah. I think they have a GoToMeeting. Is that what it is? I think that's what there is. Yeah. Well, what a testament to Zoom that we're just like, I, I don't know. These things we <laughs> use for like 10 or 15 <laughs> years. Who knows who owns them? But like to the point here, the larger point though is like I actually think the Microsoft Office bundle is stronger than ever. Like I always think to myself, yeah. like man, there's a lot of other things, and you know, maybe Google's going to take it down. But I, I think at this point, like it's it's almost passed down generation to generation. Because I was like, well, maybe the new generation, Gen Z, will finally switch over. But like, what will happen is they will eventually get to work, uh, and may, some of them will go on to work in finance. And as soon as they get to finance. They're going to pull up their Google spreadsheets and some old person, maybe a Gen X or maybe a millennial will be like, no, 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 that's not how we do things here. And they're going to give them Excel and train them in Excel and the cycle will just continue on and on. And then of course, like the Word doc, as you talked about the sharing, it's like, well, you're never totally sure if the Word doc sharing is working. So what do you do? You send the email attachment around V1, V2, BW, VW3, you know, put the date stamp and you just pass down this tradition. And it's like, it can never go away. Every generation thinks it's going to do better, but it doesn't happen. It just it just gets passed on. So and then, and then you have to explain what what that save icon actually represents to to the kids. These yeah, days. like why is it a disc? Like what is that thing? They're like a disc. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, you're going to get me started on the sharing thing. And then sometimes when you email it, it does share it. Could right? Yeah. Sometimes just, it just pops like, up in the emails yes. link that's being shared, and you're and, like, and "Wow, that's link. awesome!" Right? And then, and then all of a sudden, you're in SharePoint, and you're like, "What the fuck is happening?" Like, <laughs> I, I don't understand what's going on here. And and like, I guess you could go use a web interface, but then it's really weird. Like, yeah. Just, well, then you can't edit anything, or it's totally wrong. And then you're not worried. You're worried about the formatting stuff. But like, is there a way out? I don't know, Matt. Is there? What about your your kids? Your your oldest is in college, I assume. Probably all Google Docs. Just using Google Docs when I guess all Google Docs will be the first one we can like really watch up close when he finally gets into the workforce here, maybe in a few years. We'll see. Does is he forced to uh, you know to to learn Word in Office in lieu of Google Docs? I want to know. No, they are they they get you know they're all about the sharing and and the comments, and I'm like you know. You know, can you make me an editor? And they're like, no, dad, you, you know, you're, I only want comments from you. I'm like, whoa, oh, oh. <laughs> that's sophisticated. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, <laughs> all right. I, I think, I think there you go. I think, I think the uh, generation, whatever, are we back to A or B yet? Uh, it's, it's the, the, the give it to free to the students program is going to work. That, that works well. You know, this... Yeah. Which is good. You know, I was thinking that's a great pitch for a company is like, and actually, it's probably not a great pitch because maybe all the uh, the VCs and other people don't use Office and they think poorly of it. But if you were to go in and be like, you know, that Office business model, that's what we're going to go for. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah. You see the Good chart over here? Yeah. yeah. Well, I- yeah, speaking of business models, now oh, we, yeah. we didn't get to talk about this last episode, but Brandon has been doing an extensive study on uh, Bitcoin. And, uh, and, and like, what's, what's oh, going no. on with, with, uh, with, how do, how do you say it? SBF? 
Is that yes, right? Yes. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. yeah. And now I, 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 I dilettantly read a little bit of the uh, the stink around the Michael Lewis book. I loved, I loved that uh, liars poker. The the story of just buying big buckets of guacamole to show off the money that you had. Uh, I think about that maybe every quarter. Just really stuck with me. But like, apparently this this new book, uh, something's wrong with it about this big trial the guy uh the fraud yeah, guy with the big hair the rise and fall of a new tycoon by michael but, lewis yep. but but uh inform us G- give give us the software defined talk angle on what's going on here brandon what's up with the uh you know the case going on the uh, getting too close to your source what's what's happening yeah so i've read it all so you didn't have to so uh i, I would say or listen to it all mostly on audible so i guess my whole summary of it would be uh spf basically it's interesting in the sense of like someone that takes a, an idea of like trading, you know, it, which is sort of like this idea of expected value, which obviously, you know, it's like anytime you have a bet with good expected value, you should like not only make that bet, but in his way of thinking, you should like put everything on it. Right. So if it's like 5149, you can do it. And so, you know, he's sort of taken this idea and from what I kind of read and what I gathered and my take is sort of like he li- literally lived his entire life around this. Like every decision became like an expected value equation. Like, should I go to lunch and should I eat this? Um, should I, you know, uh, date this person was all about expected value. So it's like, I don't know, it's just interesting when it's sort of like people that are, especially people that are very smart, at least academically wise, sort of like latch on to like just one principle and that is the only principle they use to make decisions and that seems to be like to me ultimately that's where they the entire thing kind of went wrong was sort of like well you know they were you know making all these bets they essentially got uh on you know made some bad bets but then ultimately i think you know sbf just felt like i can make all this money back uh and i have you know the expected value is that i will be able to do it so takes the the customer funds uh uses them but it doesn't work out the bet doesn't work out and therefore it all becomes like this fraud embezzlement or stealing customer stuff so and then it's sort of like it just kind of like it's a pretty simple story when you actually get to the bottom of it and then um there's only two books that i think kind of like almost are like talk a lot about the same things but they sort of kind of different takes on it so going infinite the rise and fall of a new tycoon that's the michael lewis book where it's it's an interesting like you know read in a sense he tells lots of interesting stories, but of course now I'm a little bit like you have to I don't know a little bit more um, um, skeptical of it because it's like you know he certainly Michael Lewis has been known to maybe embellish the story to make it sound better, but he's very much like hey you know SBF had uh, had good intentions just found himself in like a bad situation and you know things went wrong but oh what are you gonna do life happens and then there's another book. Uh, number goes up, which is much more skeptical of the entire thing, right? That basically just says it was fraud start to finish, you know, cryptos fraud start to finish. And so you can kind of read, you know, either take on it. Um, so I think, you know, the whole thing is kind of interesting, but I guess the th- part that was ultimately interesting was like one, this idea of living through expected value, but also two, it's like, I think the part you would really like to know if you could talk to SBF would be like, like, was it all just, uh, a scam like from the start to finish because he seems to be very well aware of like how to manipulate people and one of the things was he was very wa- aware of like how he dressed and like his hair like he realized that like that was a real advantage people thought he was sort of like the super smart weird looking science kid and he really used that to his advantage in a lot of ways and he seemed to be very savvy about it so you know i think you know for anyone listening to this it's like if you want to uh eventually uh have a journalist write about you 
dress very unconventionally for whatever it is you're doing. Because they bring it up. Every single article will talk about it. And it seems like he's been really good at manufacturing an image that I think, you know, gave mm-hmm. him a lot of power, which was interesting as well. So, but having said all that, it seems like, you know, I've been following the case. It seems very unlikely he gets out of this. It seems like the <laughs> trade here, you know, his trade or the expected value, it's like, I don't know, it's probably like one in a hundred he gets off. Um, but we'll see what happens in the next few weeks. Well, it definitely worked for Shingy. Uh, he uh, <laughs> he had the appearance and everyone bought that he was a digital prophet. Um, he definitely had the advantage of everyone was like, he's the Bitcoin prophet, right? He's the the guy who, uh, I mean, didn't they, weren't there like, you know, cover articles about him in magazines? Like oh, right yeah, before totally. Him, right? Yeah. Sideways. And he was really good. He also like, understood like people, you know, he's, he seems like the kind of person like, I don't get business. I don't get the media, but like, he seems to have figured out like, no, he hired a, quite a few people to be spokesmen or spokespeople for the, the products or his services. And he seems to have used it all to his advantages. Um, the other thing, if you ever want to read, it's all free. The, there's a bunch of interesting kind of anecdotes that Michael, um, no, sorry, Matt Levine covers a lot in his newsletter, especially about James street, about like what it's like to work there in the trading, you know, and even the interview basically that was actually from the book. They talked about how you interview at Jane street is like, you actually don't go in and do any type of traditional interview. You go in and you play all of these like kind of weird math games, like, you know, what you would bet on and how you would bet and you create all these different bets. And it's just all about, you know, how good you are at sort of mental math and expected value. And it was like, wow, this is just interesting. It was like the whole idea of like, you would just walk in and play like these weird math games all day long. And if you're really good at it, they hire you. And it's like, I was like, oh, that that whole process was sort of fascinating. And then they talk a lot about the training program where they have the the traders kind of bet against each other, which was also kind of interesting. I was like, so that was just a whole other world. I had never really kind of understood how the interview process works. That was kind of interesting. I remember reading about that at some point. Yeah, that that, that is on. So, but I, w- I want to understand this living your life by expected value, which is different than enterprise value, I guess, and uh, the, the EV value in a in a. Uh, share prices or whatever that is. And and so it seems like the end answer is if there's a greater chance of something being successful, you should do that. Right? No matter no matter what. No matter what. Right. And 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 then I guess, I guess that's maybe why you have weird math games. Well, maybe not why you have weird math games, but like but then you have to build up the skill of like getting the correct analysis or at least uh uh what do they call it? You got to you got to have good confidence interval, and you figure like if you screw up, you spread that across enough things that you're going to be up. It's kind of like the opposite of gambling in Las Vegas, where, where right, you figure, so that's like, kind of what Jane Street does. Jane, Jane Street essentially, you know, if you kind of in a very high level, is they hire all of these like smart people to kind of do this, and what they do is they kind of give them all some pool of capital, and they just kind of tell them to be aggressive. And so where, what seems to have gone on here is sort of like. SBS sort of kind of got to the point of like, well, listen, I just like bet big no matter what. Right. So, and I think other places like, no, no, no. Even if it's, even if you have like good odds, there's always the possibility that it goes wrong. Right. So like you have to kind of manage your bets, but like there's a famous, relatively famous article or interview, I think with Tyler Cohen, when he interviews SBF and he says something like, you know, if the odds are like 5149 that like I flip this coin and either humanity's gone or humanity's like twice as good right? Of what it is. Like, what would you do? He'd be like, yeah, you, you flip the coin, right? He's like, yeah, I, I make the bet and I, you know, and I, I assume it comes up and it was like, well, that's crazy. Right. Cause the downside is so great. 
that, you know, it outweighs even the potential of this other good thing happening. But that seems to be what the way, at least the, the character I see, I see. of him is that like, he is just always doing that. If it's, if the expected value is in my, my, my advantage, I'm going to bet, I'm going to bet big and I'm going to do that through my entire life. And it's like, no, it just doesn't work like that. You can't, you know, right. I, I know. I, I think, I think that's good. And it's helped clarify this, that new plank I wanted to add to the defaults lifestyle, which is, which is in a coin flip, there's actually a third option, which is do nothing. And then right, everything's yeah. chill. And so like, like you can just be like, Hmm, how about I don't risk humans dying? <laughs> Like yeah, I'm not, I'm not forced slow, to make right? this bet. That's what you're so saying. Just go yeah, along with that, which is which is a valid choice. Yeah, and yeah. And, then, and then I I, get, I mean to point out the obvious. Like the other problem is like, well, you know, there's like laws. So <laughs> well, clearly be- he didn't think think those applied to him. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and that that is true. Like 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 uh, laws. It seems like when it comes to finance, only kick in when you lose money. They right. uh, they don't really kick in when you're making money. They're well, that fine. leads to like an interesting potential footnote to this whole story. So the very long story short is they're trying to get eight billion dollars is like what was like lost, right? So mm-hmm. through different ways of like clawing back money, they've gotten a lot of it back. But um, the thing that sits out there is Anthropic, which is a very you know one of the the high flying AI startups, right? So at he invested five hundred million in Anthropic, you know at very, very early on. So at least at the moment, right, you could see a scenario <laughs> where that 500 million becomes, you know, 8 billion or more if Anthropic continues to grow at the rate and the valuation rate. So it's just this weird link between kind of the crypto world and the AI world that is just sort of like, you know, at the end of the day, it could work out. Like, I mean, people, like if you ask all the people today, well, we're owed $8 billion. It's like, listen, you can either, we'll give you maybe, 80 cents on the dollar or if you want to risk it we'll just you know we'll we'll cut you in on the, you're you're now let it ride you're, yeah, you're let it ride on the uh, we'll let it ride lifestyle that's so, that's the opposite of the default lifestyle right no i mean i guess that's the question it's like do if they let it ride it's like there seems to be like i bet you if we were to ask sbf would be like the inspected value probably is good just let it ride see what happens which is just like in itself mind-blowing but then people are like well if he gets the money back you know, is he, is no. he not guilty? It's like, no, 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 it doesn't work. No, like, no, no. You, you, you can't, you can't, you can't launder your illegal proceeds to pay off all the crimes you committed. Right, right. No, you just right? can't take money that isn't yours and make a good investment with it and then get all the money back. I mean, it just doesn't work like that. So it's yeah, like, that's no. why it seems like no matter what happens here for it, at the end, he ends up in probably some minimal security jail for like a pretty long time. It's probably, probably. his expected outcome. Right? Yeah. I, I think maybe we could come up with a new phrase, which is, uh, let's see. Finance crimes, somewhere in the equation, finance <laughs> crimes, the, the three variables are losses, gains, and time. Like if, if you lose a certain amount of money, but you have enough time to gain it back, there was no crime. But, but if, you, if you just lose the money and you don't have enough time to gain it back, crime, I think, I think is, is how it happens. <laughs> well, you know what? You can lose money without committing crime. <laughs> oh, that's true. Uh, yeah. That's so speaking of, 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 you know, hindsight and 2020 and stuff, uh, do, do we want to talk about, uh, uh, HashiCorp's uh, CEO? Well, I was, I was going to think, I was thinking, you know, we, we got the ongoing commentary about like, oh, open source business kind of hard. And then, and then every, every time it happens, you know, the people who, uh, uh, 
change around their licensing. I, I think one of the, one of the common arguments is that like, well, someone's got to pay for this stuff. Sure. Right? Like, and uh, if if people are going to come in and and shit on the comments, then what do you expect? We're going to have to put uh, fences up. Which you know, sure. I th- I think it's also a case of like, you know, at this point, and this 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 comes to the uh, the you know the great retrospective of like Docker uh, company culture management. At this point in the open source world, it's kind of like. I mean, you kind of know what's going to happen. Like, like we, we've all but written the book and maybe someone has written a book of just like, here, here's the cycle of a uh, open source business model. This is, this is what happens. The well, maybe is I do think yeah. Where we could go, I think, because I think the HashiCorp CEO, again, it's just a lot of self-serving comments about the license change. And it's like, yeah, I don't know, we've been there before. But I do think the Docker article um, that was written here, Docker 10, three things we got right and three things we got wrong. I do think, inside of the three things that got wrong is a pretty good mm, summary of yes, thinking, yeah. how to think of this. And it's sort of like the three things they kind of talk about that they got wrong was adoption versus monetization, which was basically the company wasn't able to figure out how it was going to make money going um, early on. And that sort of hampered it. Right. And it makes total sense. But then they go on to say, it's like, you know, team culture was then the next problem. But I would argue the fact that this adoption versus monetization thing was never figured out early or, you know, um, that's what led to this team culture. And I just thought this quote, this really stood out to me, maybe because, you know, I've had some personal experience with it, but I'll just read it here. It says a specific example of what we got wrong was in having two separate groups of people in our company, one focused on open source in the community and the other on the business. This is one of my biggest regrets. It turned into a split brain in internal tooling, product and project management. And the most important, the team culture itself, it's hard to balance those competing interests for anyone. But when you split the roles, you end up, with internal battles, inconsistencies, and open debates that can never be settled. Everybody is right from their perspective. And I just think that, to me, encapsulates the open source challenge. So when you start a company and someone joins it, like you really want everyone to not only, like maybe they're passionate because of the open source is why they want to join it, but they also need to be bought off on, like, here's how we're going to make money and we really believe, like we all deeply believe that that's the way we should make money building this product, right? Whatever it is, however, whatever model it is. And as soon as you don't have that, as soon as you have some group that just says, ah, you know, that's, that's the money guys, or that's the open source team. Like, I feel like at that very, very moment, you've completely lost, right? And I just think like, to me, it's like, wow, if I could just tell everyone that's going to start an open source company, like you should read that. And if you don't have that figured out, you should like be honest with everyone up front and be like, we haven't figured out how to make money. So we're going to have to like really iterate a lot. And then when we do figure out the business model, we need everyone to get on board with it. And if you don't want to be on board with it, that's your time to probably get away from it because otherwise it's not going to be successful. So I thought that was really insightful and well-written. It was, it was good. Well, uh, once, once the uh, Monktoberfest videos are online, there was a good one by, uh, from, from Anil who now works at, uh, I think Crane, some UK-based VC firm, and it was basically like here. Here's the uh, here's the uh, the bald-faced VC role in an open-source company, and to reduce down, there was a lot of a lot of great stuff in his talk. But as he kept repeating again and again, here here's what I as a VC need: I need a ten to one hundred x return on my cash. Mm-hmm. That's it, <laughs> right? Yeah. So so like you know, and so therefore. Right. Like, you know, I place all the bets, blah, blah, blah. And that's uh, that's that's what I need. So, of course, 
like it's going to drive all of the but there is an answer i mean i think the answer like you could give an answer and say okay like all right we're going to try to return 10x this investment and we can sit down and say like whatever project we were working on be like okay we're going to build the open source version of it and we're going to allow that to help us you know grow the community right yes and create a lot of interest in our thing and then we're going we're going to tell the vc it's like and the way that we're going to make our money back. And then you have the choice, right? You could say, we're going to make our money back because we're going to host it as an, a service and people are going to pay for it. And that's easier. Or we're going to do this old support and licensing kind of thing, right? Or we're going to do some type of open core thing. But as soon as that happens, like you need everyone in the room, the whole company to be like, I believe in open core. I believe, I understand why we're doing it. And yes, I understand people are going to be frustrated that not all the features are in the open source version, but I get it. I get why we're doing it. I'm going to advocate for that at the, when I'm at the open source, uh, uh, conference, I'm going to tell people this is the open source and this is, this is the, the part you have to pay for, right? Or vice versa, where I'm going to tell people it's like, yeah, you can do that, but we make money through the, 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 the SaaS version. And it's like, unless you get everybody on it, right? It's like, it doesn't work. Cause I, I just feel like I, and I was talking, you know, in the Slack, we were kind of talking this week about, it, and many people kind of, kind of chimed in that they've been in these same meetings where it's just like, there's just this endless argument around like, yeah, it's not open. Like you'll hear people say, well, that's not open source or you don't care about how to make money or like, you know, you think everything should be free. Why are you always worried about money? It's like, Hey, we don't have alignment on the business model that that meeting never ends. And that's all you end up talking about for some months, if not years. So I was like, that's the part, you know, and if you don't have good answers to all of it, if like, you can't say to the VC, you're like, I'm not sure how we're going to return your 10x money. And I'm not sure how we're going to monetize the open source thing. It's like, you just have to be super honest, right? And this is where it's like, okay, we're we're at the discovery phase and it's going to be really bumpy, right? These next six to 12 months of this company, it's going to be a lot of churn. It's going to be a lot of infighting. There's going to be a lot of trial and error. So like, are you in? Do you want to sign up for that, right? You just got to know, know where you are. Yeah. Yeah, you know, maybe the principle is... uh there's always a business model and uh, you, you should know what it is before it knows what you are. You could phrase that a little better, uh, <laughs> but like you got to You got to You got to make sure that's in the back of your head. Speaking of business models. Not really, but do we have any bureaucracy this episode? <laughs> uh, just a few things, uh, a couple of things. One, as always, if you like a sticker, just send your postal address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com and I will be happy to send you a sticker anywhere in the world. Couple pieces of uh, follow up though. Craig Box, a uh, friend of the show, he commented on that a few episodes ago. I think we were talking about like software tools at Google and how they do things at Google. And I and we talked about like, man, I wish there were someone that show us more about it. Well, there's actually a whole write up, a whole book called Software Engineering at Google. So if you want to read more about how they do things at Google, check out that link is in the show notes. So you should check that out. Um, also. Free. Yeah, read it for free. It's I think it's all just it's, it's all in HTML. Yeah. In, I was gonna say, I think it's is it just in HTML? I, I think that's all it was. Yeah, okay. there's no PDF or EPUB, but you know, you can it's get easy around to read now. So yeah. lots of stuff to, to check out there. Then also uh wanted to let everyone know that Eric over at Harness, they're hiring a senior product marketing manager uh in platform engineering. So check that job out if you're looking. And also a little bit of uh kind of back to the defaults lifestyle. So the new Apple podcast app is out. And for many of you, you're following the defaults lifestyle on your iOS device of choice. So you have a new version of the podcast app. So I just want to let you know a couple of things that are in there. One, it looks like the show notes uh, in the podcast app, much easier to read. And then two, um, you probably haven't known that like each episode of Software Defined Talk, we have uh, some different artwork. So there you go. Now you can see the artwork for each individual episode uh, if you want to actually check it out. And then 
Uh, so if you look at it, you'll see different artwork for different episodes. And then finally, if you've never used them, this is sort of like, I don't know, my annual reminder that if you like chapter markers, which are just an easy way to skip through an episode, if there are topics you are not interested in, or you want to go back and find that one, uh, all the episodes have chapter markers in there. And they usually have some type of very descriptive or maybe non-descriptive uh, um, uh, description of the segment. So that's all in there as well. So Apple podcast app, it's a lot better now. I think it's a lot easier to to find all those things. If you've been using Overcast or other things, that's been available for a while. So check out Apple Podcasts. And if the statistics are right, which I always wonder, probably 40% of you are using Apple Podcasts. So maybe there's some new features in there for you to check out. And and I, I, of course, if you haven't noticed the chapters before, go download all the episodes. And uh, <laughs> you don't have to listen to them. But Actually, and check it out. You, you should install multiple podcast players on your phone that's and right. download all the episodes. Yeah, I, I guess on the Test chapters, what I mean, just to give people more detail, like the feedback we get is kind of yeah. split. Like sometimes people like they, they don't they feel like there's there's segments of the show, like especially at the beginning. It's sort of uh, uh, we'll call that like a, a meandering, fun conversation. But some people don't like that. That's fine. But you can just hit next. You're missing and, out. And then other people actually. What are you here for? Their significant others often say that's the only part of the show they will listen to. They don't want to hear any of the stuff where they're talking oh. about technology. So if you want, if you need to skip the technology discussion, you can do that as well. So it doesn't matter. Straight, I don't care. Straight to the recommendations. Uh, yeah. So yeah. of course, listen to the whole show. But I actually, there's many podcasts I listen to where they have chapter markers and I love it because I will often skip around. So it's like, I am, I am not offended. We are not offended if you skip around uh, or if you're with a loved one that only wants to hear the uh, non-tech conversations. That's perfectly acceptable. So you should put the easy. podcast on their phone too, though. That's right. Put it on their phone and then show them chapter <laughs> markers and they can be like, just press there. That's where you can always just listen to yeah, the uh, can, non-tech segments. So you, can, you, you can hear the, uh, you can hear the Andy Rooney part. If you, if you know how to do the chapters and you get on to the, the real stuff. Well, there's several conferences. Uh, there's KubeCon North America in Chicago. Matt's going to be there. There's also a VMware discount code. Get out your pencil, whether it's pressure sensitive or not. And uh, if you want to get 20% off, you can use a, a code from my work VMware, which is KCNA23VMWEO20. Uh, if you didn't write that down fast enough, you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 437 and use that code. Also, or, or if you're using an Apple podcast, now's your chance to actually look at the show notes. Oh, it's easy to see. It'll actually oh, be really beautiful. There. That's yes. how easy it is to see now. Yeah, chapters, right? And 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 if you're one of the people who's uh, two to three years later downloaded all the episodes to listen, that code probably doesn't work anymore. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Try it anyways. But thanks uh, for listening. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Keep going. It, gets, it, it only gets better. Uh, but uh, also during that same time, I'll be at VMware uh, Europe or EU in Explore. Uh, you know, you know how you know how these conferences go. I'm doing more and more as the date approaches, as people reach out and ask me to do things, which is fun. Uh, and then there's also the Risk V or Five Summit, depending on how Roman you are, uh, November seventh to eighth. And then we have that conference, uh, January 29th, 2024, in Round Rock, Texas. I should start talking like that all the time. That would be fun. And if you're interested in us advertising your conference or, you know, going to it or things like that, you should uh, you should talk with us because who doesn't love a good tech conference? Uh, probably the people who like the first part of the show. But if you listen to the second part of the show, you must like a conference. So there's that. Now, with that, Brandon, what do you have to recommend this uh, episode? 
My recommendation this week is a newsletter. It's called uh, Installer. It's from The Verge. And um, I'll just read the trip here. It's a, a weekly newsletter designed to tell you everything you need to download, watch, read, listen, uh, right. and, um, and ex- stuff to explore. So it's the kind of thing where it's like, if you're interested in like, man, I wonder what the best, best uh, notes app is. You're like, I've got like some weird requirements. Like, they had a whole up. They had a whole write up about like here are like the ten best notes app, and then uh, uh, this week's or last week's was uh, about like different uh, apps to help you track like what you want to watch. Which I'm always like trying to figure out how to do that better, right? It's like, oh, watch this, do this, and so there's uh, I'm testing out a few of them myself. So if you're like that, if you just like want to see what people are recommending and kind of like if you will the more artisanal, if you want to get off the defaults lifestyle and want to see what mm. like the uh, the power users are using, like. For example, does the note-taking app support uh, custom image background so I can upload my grid-based uh, uh, artwork and use my it? My vintage like, draft paper. That would be the kind of uh, thing that would be covered in the installer. I like it. And so there's just, uh, it's really detailed. It's really long. But I always find a couple things in there. At least I want to try. So check out the installer. It's from The Verge. If you like The Verge, you'll probably like it as well. I'll have to check that out. How about yourself, Matt Ray? What do you have to recommend? Uh, my recommendation is Dell Customer Support. Uh, my monitor started sh- having some horizontal lines and I was like, huh, something's wrong. I looked up my warranty. I had six days left. I pinged Dell customer support and l- within 30 minutes, I had a new monitor on the way. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, there's a, there, there's some oh, yeah, more. Did you have to like prove it? Did you have to send them a picture? Oh, yeah. I, I, I just sent them a photo of the monitor, oh, like nice. in, okay. in a, in a test screen view. And so you that photoshopped showed, like, in like some, some, uh, <laughs> <laughs> there was a Pokemon coming right out of the screen. Um, uh, no, it, uh, <laughs> yeah, there was like LEDs going bad or something. So it, okay. it had some weird horizontal lines and like, you know, I, I okay. got to ship them the other one back, but, uh, brand new monitor. So there's some value to be had buying direct, I guess. There you go. See now, Matt Ray, lifetime Dell screen customer. It's like yeah. always works. <laughs> <laughs> that that's a nice benefit of being like a mega company. Is like once there's there's proof that something's wrong in a customer support scenario, generally the big companies are just like, all right, sure, fix it, done. See you later. <laughs> They're just like not not a, not a big deal. Well, uh, my recommendation is a movie I finally finished watching tonight because you know I have kids. Uh, with with my wife Kim, Evil Dead Rises. Now you watch that with the kids? No, no, no. Because we oh. have kids, so we have to stop watching it. Gotcha. Like, but uh, you know, you, you see the name Evil Dead, and I didn't actually look at the credits for who who made it. And you're like, is this related to the Evil Dead series of, of movies? And of course. But it starts. You know, it starts off where you're kind of like, uh, I guess it could be, or are they stealing ideas from here? But then, you know, but then it gets more and more uh, just exactly copying, uh, not exactly copying, but having all sorts of like uh, things like the chainsaw and the uh, the flying demon view, all that kind of stuff. But it's uh, it's fine. It's good. It has the uh, the uh, the male child. He has that that kind of like uh, Euro trash mullet that I'm fascinated with nowadays. Uh, so I got I got to check that out uh, for a while. And uh, it was it was pretty good. Uh, I enjoyed it. Well, speaking of things I've enjoyed, this has been another episode of Software Defined Talk, episode number 437. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, things we talked about, other things we didn't, that fantastic discount code to get 20% off of uh, KubeCon North America, you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 437. And with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
I, you know, you know, every time I hear you talk about Australia, I think I would, I wish I lived there. That sounds like a great place. I, f- I feel, I feel like the, the overall culture of that place is just like, yeah, let's just do it. Enjoy life. I feel like it sounds a lot like Texas. Like I looked it up. I think the population of Australia, the total population is about the same. <sighs> Mm. feels uh i don't know it is would, would that be would, matt is that a reason it's like sydney to austin as texas is to australia or is it just no it's just totally different does that not apply no yeah i think i mean <laughs> no there you no. go right. the Cal- california is easier to make mm. the comparison mm-hmm. yeah because sydney's more like los angeles oh okay. Um, okay. yeah you know it's it's big it's spread out uh it's got a lot of different areas a lot going on Bad traffic. So uh, that's yeah. what I was going to say. I was going to guess Sydney's like Houston. If we force fit it into Texas, right? Big, uh, spread out. They wear they wear they wear suits there. I would, I would right? that seems that seems a critical of, of uh, Sydney. I don't believe no. that. I don't know. I don't. But it, it's got Houston's it's got, fine. It's a good place. It's all right. I would compare Houston more to like Perth or something, where mm. it's it's full yeah, of. Okay. It's full place. of new money from like oil and and minerals okay. Okay. and you know big gleaming. But unlike Houston, it's kind of empty. <laughs> Maybe we should, uh, we'll put this in the after show. Maybe we we'll make this some after show homework for our Australian friends. They have a good uh, good uh, audience down there. Maybe they can write in and tell us what uh, state if they had to compare Australia to a state, what would it be? All right, Cote. Since we uh, we need to get cracking today, why why don't we begin? 